Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S O. L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. What's up, sports fans, and welcome to the Sports Opinions Podcast. I'm your host as always, Alex Cuesta. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at A underscore Cuesta30. Find Sports Opinions on Twitter at Sports Opinion30. On Instagram at Sports Opinions30. And also visit the Facebook page. With me today is a man who is unbelievably busy right now. He is breaking news left and right, bursting into the basketball scene bigger than you can imagine. You've heard him here Two times before, my man, Brandon Scoopy Robinson. What up, Scoop? Three times a child. What's going on, hey? Glad to be here once again. Oh, yeah. You're, you know you're always welcome here. And my man, my man, he is... All right, kids, if you're listening, any kids, I know y'all play 2K19. You play NBA 2K. When yes, you're sir. making a my player and you're on my, my, my pro, what's going on, check the side scroll. You're going to see my man in his big smile there. Brandon Scoopy Robinson is on the social media. How does that feel? <laughs> man, it's an honor. Uh, honestly, really and truly, I've been on. Uh, I've been a player of NBA 2K since the, the first one, my freshman year of high school, and played every one. It, it followed me, whether it's through high school, through college, through grad school. And, you know, now as an adult, I can be a big kid and play it, but not just play it, but actually look at myself on the game. I have a game. I played it the first time over the weekend. I still haven't seen myself yet, but all my friends sent me pictures, so I guess I'm doing all right. <laughs> Definitely. And it looks like they sent you a custom copy with you on the cover. How, how ill was that? Well, what, what ended up happening was I, was, I went to the uh, the launch party in Brooklyn uh, earlier this month, and uh, one of the party favorites was you actually take a picture and then they put you on the cover. And uh, it was pretty cool. I used it for social media, I, and I actually got the physical cover as well. So, I mean, it's cool. I've been, you know, covering 2K and writing about 2K and all of the inner work and the people that are, are the, the folks to talk to. And it's pretty cool. And, you know, it's something that I've known since uh, probably March, April, the conversation I had with them in January. And I signed the paperwork in April and been pretty quiet about it. And, you know, I'm glad to break the news or rather just let my, my followers and supporters know that that's what's been going on. And, you know, definitely excited, man. That's really, really awesome. Ronnie2K, if you listen to this, you are always welcome to come on the podcast. We can talk about anything, man. <laughs> there you go. You heard the man, Ronnie. Now, you have been a busy, busy bee. You're always a busy man. You've always had great guests on Scoopy Radio. Now, for people that don't know, Brandon is the creator, host, everything of Scoopy Radio. And he's not just the podcast. He has a Scoopy Overtime where he gets some of the best insights. But you really really been hitting it as of late. The people you've had, you've had Sir Charles Barkley, you had KG, you had Cousins, you had so many big people, but you've also been breaking some really, really big news. I'm going to start with one that you broke back. It has to be months now. You were one of the first people to talk about Space Jam 2 and LeBron James, and now the rumors seem to have been really blowing up, but you were one of the first on top of it. Number one, how does it feel to see that you, all your hard work, your sourcing, and everything that you're doing is paying off. But number two, to start seeing people kind of take a little bit of credit where you were the man and they were not giving you credit. I saw some Twitter stuff, and even I went out there and I was like, yo, let's give the man his due. How does it feel? It's got to be kind of a compliment when people are trying to steal your work. Yeah, 
<laughs> well, first of all, I, I thank you, man, for you and, and some of uh, the supporters for, you know, uh, being the beehives, like uh, Beyonce or the, or the, or the, or the bar, or Team Barbie, like, like uh, Nicki Minaj, people on Twitter sticking up for you. That, that means a lot, man, uh, because you definitely see people. Uh, we'll be the scoop swoop. We are the scoop swoop. <laughs> there you go, the scoop swoop. Uh, you saw it a couple times uh, uh, over the weekend. Uh, there was, you know, I broke something about KG, and they were attributing it to the, the site that aggregated it, not me myself. And, you know, I, I spoke to the powers that be on that regard about that, which is cool. But as it related to Space Jam, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I spoke to some friends, and they told me they thought I was literally crazy that there's no way to recreate Space Jam. And so, you know, I think more than anything, I feel vindicated. You know, I love the game of basketball. I went to the game of basketball, and more than anything. As much as I'm a reporter and, I, and, I'm in, and I'm an insider, I'm also a fan of the game, and I want to do right by the game that I love. And, um, you know, that, that was the point that I got. Uh, and I confirmed it with a couple of people. You have to really be an insider uh, to know that in Hollywood. I've been to L.A. once in my life, and I connected with the right people. Uh, my, my reports were indicating that LeBron was going to Miami or Philadelphia, and then what ended up happening was I got a call. And uh, I, I got a call, and somebody briefed me on what was what, and they told me that a Space Jam trailer was supposed to be you know, involved. And essentially what happened was there was supposed to be a trailer involved with Space Jam where uh, essentially LeBron was going to announce where he was going uh, as a member of the Lakers and going to be one of the characters in there. Basically, um, he was, they were stealing some memorabilia and um, I use this joke often on every show. He wasn't on his OJ Simpson boat, but essentially <laughs> um, he, you know, was going to appear in a Los Angeles Lakers jersey. Like I was told, it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Kobe, uh, Magic Johnson, a bunch of other people there memorabilia. Essentially, LeBron was supposed to save the day. And, you know, if you look, if you paid attention to what's going on with LeBron, uh, his clutch agency actually uh, tweeted and sent out a press release about where he's going. But, I mean, even when he was coming back from vacation in Anguilla and flying home, I had sources uh, at Cleveland Hopkins Airport giving me coordinates of where his plane was. Like, I had it all laid out. Uh, it wasn't just me taking a whim or, or a guess, but as it related to Space Jam, that whole mode got changed. So, you know, people are now saying, well, everybody knows he's going to L.A. Many people, you know, said Space Jam. But, you know, really and truly, what I did report uh, was that, you know, LeBron was going to be um, appear- appearing in a trailer, um, but that Space Jam was supposed to be happening as well. You know, people stretch what I've said, but Space Jam was always an equation, which is why he's going to L.A., because... It's Hollywood, and he wants to really extend his brand. And he has a production company out there, a pretty legit production company, not to mention the elite basketball high schools for his kids. Both of his kids are talented basketball players. So everything pointed to the right direction for him to end up in L.A. But you were one of the first people on that, and you have definitely been easily the first person. There have been rumors about KD leaving Golden State, and there were a thousand places popped out where he could go. But you were the first one really to put a definitive stamp on having a source saying that it's a lock that he's going to be on the Lakers. You've gotten, a, you've gotten a lot of pushback from that. What, I did. And you know what? I, it, takes, it takes fortitude to do that. And uh, I'm sticking with my source. And spoke with my source this afternoon. And uh, we talked more about it. So you'll be getting reporting about that throughout the course of the season. I follow on Twitter at Scoop B. Uh, but I also have to give credit to uh, my elder, Stephen A. Smith. I said that initially KD was going to join the Lakers. Um, it was a little premature this year. Uh, and him joining, obviously, he signed a two-year as uh, I opt out after this coming season. But uh, I, 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 the things that my source has shared with me uh, within the last day or so, he's painted more of a vivid picture. And, um, you know, there have been meetings that have been had. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sticking with, with my guns and what I've been told. Now, any young reporters out there, that's exactly what you do. You stick with your source. Get, get, take a little hint from my man Scoop B here. You stick with your source. You fight for that source, and it'll it'll pay you back because that's how you keep those sources. But for sure. But when now it's a good thing you mentioned. You know, you brought up Stephen A because you also had a conversation with one Boogie Cousins, who are arguably considered the best offensive big man in the game, if not one of the most complete, arguably, with Anthony Davis. He asked, he actually mentioned Stephen A. with a little bit of an expletive towards Stephen A. Um, what did that make you feel? Because I think Stephen A. is someone that is great to emulate if you are a reporter, if you are someone that wants to break news, because the man has serious insiders. How did you feel about that whole conversation and the way that swayed? Um, well, with Boogie, I'll tell you... Um... 
I think he's one of the most genuine guys that you'll actually talk to as a player. I think he's misunderstood. Uh, I, I have a I, Boogie and I know each other through other people, so we met for the first time uh, when he and I talked, but uh, I actually know his uh, high school basketball coach. His high school basketball coach grew up with my father and my uncles uh, in Jersey City, New Jersey. And um, so, you know, when I told him that, that the connection, he was like, oh, word, yeah. So we were, you know, real free in what we were saying and how we were saying it. But the question that I asked Boogie was, um, I said, uh, Stephen A. Smith, I said that the Los Angeles Lakers, I have a chance to go to uh, the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, he said, you know, I'm paraphrasing. He doesn't care what Stephen A. thinks. Blank. You said it Blank. nicely. <laughs> and, um, you know, that showed that he's focused on his team and what's going on. He, I mean, he doesn't play for the Los Angeles Lakers. So I get what he was going with. I don't think he meant any Ill, any malcontent to uh, Stephen A. Smith. But he definitely let me know how he felt. And uh, that was that. And to be fair to Boogie Cousins, you also did quote the man as saying, you know, the Lakers have the best player on the planet, so obviously playing them is going to be a tall task, and there is the chance that they get there, and there is always a chance that they could topple the Warriors because of one LBJ, who is the baddest man on the planet in terms of basketball still. So, you know, in fairness, he don't want to hear it from Stephen A., but he's willing to respect the ballers that are in the league. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, here's the thing. I had this conversation with a buddy of mine in basketball recently. But, you know, you look at these young guys, they know Stephen A. Smith as the TV guy. They don't know him as the guy that's breaking news. So, you know, when I was a kid and I started my career, uh, for those who were targeted to party, I started at 12 years old with the Nets. had a radio show called Nets Slamming Planet. You know what I Because you used to write <laughs> at a Nets uh, site. That's uh, but Nets. And um, I knew Stephen A. when he was covering the Philadelphia 76ers for the Philadelphia Choir. I remember seeing him in the locker room whenever the Sixers came to town. And just like I saw Chris Broussard covering the Nets and the Knicks for the New York Times. And, mm-hmm. you know, that generation that he covered, they're all retired. Um, you know, th- those guys are doing TV now. So, you know, these young kids don't know that Stephen A. Smith. They know him on TV. And, you know, when you, when you walk around the locker room in the NBA – He's not in those locker rooms. He's not the beat guy that he was. He's removed because he's at a desk. He's a television personality. So I think sometimes these players get frustrated because his line is so blurred as a personality, as a celebrity, and as a TV pundit. Yeah, and it's difficult because I think if you want to get the real Stephen A., you got to listen to him on radio. He's a different man when he's on his radio show. He doesn't have to put on the pomp and circumstance that he does when he's standing in front of Max Kellerman or sitting in front of him. And it's basically his job right now to argue and to take one extreme side of the argument. And not not to say that Stephen A. isn't genuine in his arguments, because I believe he is, but I do happen to listen to the Stephen A. Smith radio show pretty often. And he's a, I'm not going to say a different person, because Stephen A. is Stephen A., but you get to hear more of the reporter, more of the journalist side of him when he's able to just sit there and spout off what he wants to say without anyone else giving pushback. You like him or you hate him. You know, I don't really know if there's anything in between, but, you know, he's a guy that has more than 20 years of experience uh, covering the National Basketball Association and being a pundit on TV. You know, he's got to pay attention to radio, or excuse me, to, to the NFL, the baseball, to NHL as well. So, I mean, there's a myriad of things, but being a columnist, he's removed from that. I'm sure he can write if he needed to and call sources he needs to call, but... Um, He's not new to this, he's true to this. Yeah, and you know, it's an interesting thing. People might not know about Stephen A., and this might turn some people off, but I found out the man is actually very good friends with one Sean Hannity, who is a conservative uh, talk radio host, Fox News host. And I found that this to be, you know, you never know people don't, like, you can't judge just off their personality, because I don't think anyone would ever pit Stephen A. Smith and Sean Hannity chilling in the same room being friends. That, it's it's well, no, different. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, I have a buddy over at uh, Bright Guard and over at um, Yellowhammer that, you know, when I when I appeared on MSNBC over the summer, uh, he, he gladly wrote something about what I said, uh, discussing, you know, LeBron, one LeBron James and, and, and Donald Trump uh, and the whole I Promise School. Uh, so, you know, you, you have to be able to walk across the aisle and talk to everybody. The, the late Senator John McCain was, was seamlessly able to do that. As a, as a Republican, he was able to get along with Democrats and independents as well, I, I think. When you're able to blur the line and, be, be, and you're able to meet somebody uh, in the middle, that, that shows that you're able to adapt to any situation. So that doesn't surprise me, school with Sean Hannity. And, 
you know, I think sports is the unifier. So the fact that Stephen A. Smith is on ESPN and he's able to talk about sports and Sean Hannity's on politics, that doesn't really surprise me. I think, you know, it, it goes down to people's values and where they where they meet in the middle. I think that that's, that's, that's a no-brainer there. Now, yeah, one thing that, you know, it's just called that people have gotten away from because divisiveness is everywhere, but it's just called being a human being. I think people forgot how to be, you know, just be you and just accept other people for who they are. It's kind of like fandom. People get demonized for being fans of certain teams. Or I know plenty of people that were Golden State faithful when they were terrible. Listen, I Golden State has been my second favorite team since I saw Jason Richardson dunk on everything on the planet. And I saw really bad Golden State teams while the Nets were pretty damn good. And I still rooted for them. And I still, this Golden State team, I'm not going to lie, bringing on KD soured it for me as much as I love KD. I liked it more when they were the homegrown team. That was really a better fit for me. But still, I still like the team. I'm never going to leave them. I've been called a bandwagon fan just because they're my number two. But you know what? People, like, everyone's demonized for everything. But it's just nice when you can hear that people are just human beings. A political side isn't going to just stop them from contacting each other. It's nice to see. (laughs) For sure. For sure, my man. Definitely. So we're going to go back to a little bit of sports here because you actually talked to Kevin Garnett. And one of the things that I saw you blow up and I read that I found very interesting was his take on Derrick Rose, saying that if he was the coach, D. Rose would be his starting point guard. Now, I have not seen the explosiveness. I've seen it in spurts, and you see the spry D. Rose every once in a while when he's cutting to the basket. He's not the finisher in terms of dunking that he was. His quickness is still pretty good. He was never a great jump shooter. Do you agree with Kevin Garnett that he should that he is still a starting caliber point guard in this league? I can see where he's coming from, um, but I think that those stats that he had uh, definitely come from the Minnesota Timberwolves not being able to hang as a whole uh, with the, the uh, Houston Rockets in the first round of the NBA playoffs uh, last season. Uh, when you look at that team, he was probably one of the few people who had prior playoff experience. You had Todd Gibson, you had. Jimmy Butler on that team. You had uh, a myriad of other folks. But uh, the fact that Derrick Rose was able to channel some sort of uh, what he used to be, that doesn't really surprise me. Uh, but I think, you know, going into this season, I like Derrick Rose in a half-court set uh, with the Timberwolves uh, more than Jeff Teague. Uh, but I think people are going to always harp on just his injuries. And I think that if Derrick Rose stays healthy, I can I could subscribe to K, KG Sperry, but you know it's funny uh, when I started posing the question to KG, he actually cut me off and said, "Can you see him starting?" And I paused. I said, "No, can you see him starting?" He said, yeah. <laughs> "You know all that all that prep work at, at uh, Turner headquarters out in Atlanta is paying off. All those classes he's made probably taken, but um, <laughs> yeah, he, he sparked the conversation, brought the conversation to life, and he bit first. So you know it was a conversation that I knew would hit." Uh, specifically now with everything that's going on in Minnesota. Yeah, and it's a good thing you mentioned that because it's interesting because we are both Nets guys. Even though you're NBA, Nets gave you your start, and I'm pretty sure you're still a Nets fan with everything going on. We're going to talk a little more in depth with them later because they have to do with this topic. Jimmy Butler has been reported to want out, and his camp has basically named his three favorite teams to go to are Clippers, Knicks, and Nets, with the Clippers being the front runner. Um, the the T-Wolves put it out that there's going to be no trade today. They want to keep Butler, which I think is a little bit of a smokescreen. Do you have any sort of knowledge of where Jimmy Butler is more than likely going to end up? I don't. Um, I've kind of been out of the Jimmy Butler business. Uh, what I will tell you is uh, a little bit that I did do know, and speaking to someone today, uh, it just it just – Little things you hear throughout the course of the season. The stuff that everybody's hearing now is nothing new. Y'all just are the first to hear about it. And then meaning the listeners or the consumers of the NBA. Uh, that locker room has kind of been uh, in disarray throughout the course of the season. And then when you sit and you put certain things together, uh, it kind of makes sense. I will say that um, I know the Towns family uh, very well. I actually will be with them tomorrow. Um, I know Jamal Crawford, a former Timberwolves, and I'll just say that things that I ask in interviews, and then you hear it in the news, you start to put the things together, and they make sense if you get it. So when I heard the whole Jimmy Butler thing, I wasn't really surprised, 
but I don't know all the facts enough to really say one way or the other as it relates to Jimmy and, you know, the, the, the where he'll go. Um, everything that I've heard uh, has been he and Kyrie want to be teammates, but then I spoke to someone today and they said, wow, well, if you really sit and think about it, Kyrie being from West Orange, New Jersey, you know, if that's, if he wants to go to the Knicks or the Nets, what would be the reward other than being home? He's in a Boston Celtics team that could potentially be a champion in a couple of years. Why would you leave there? Even though that wasn't your first choice, you're in a good situation where you got a young team you can grow and a coach that you actually like. And when, they, when the person that told me that said that, it made a lot of sense. You know, why would you leave that situation and go somewhere that's unfamiliar other than the fact that that's where you're from? It makes a lot of sense. And Kyrie gives me a little bit of a weird feeling because you see the man has been in two great situations. Now, it seems to come out that people don't like playing with LeBron. Kyrie left. Um, Jimmy apparently doesn't have any interest in wanting to go play with him, but Kyrie has been in a great situation in Cleveland, wanted out. He's in an unbelievable situation in Boston where they're the best team in the East probably right now, and he seems to want out. Is there something to be said? Does he maybe just want to be the unchallenged alpha of a team? Because let me tell you, Jason no, Tatum is a dude. I think, I think it's less detailed than that. I am connected to the Kyrie Irving uh, family and what I can tell you in just conversations is that uh, Kyrie and LeBron one of the main reasons why Kyrie wanted to leave Cleveland uh, was because Kyrie did not have any guarantee LeBron was returning so their relationship wasn't the issue because it's oh it's been vastly overhyped that his relationship was the problem not as much as people want to think um, there's a mutual respect that the both of them have as NBA champions, as winners. The only issue that I know that Kyrie maybe had with LeBron is kind of how LeBron felt that he had to be this big brother to his little brother, and Kyrie was a grown man. And I think they clashed because of it. You know, they're both they're both uh, winners, they're both champions, and I think people started to really catch on to Kyrie once he joined with LeBron. LeBron, or rather Kyrie, was lighting it up in high school. He got hurt in college and was really the face of that team before LeBron got there. You know, I'll I tell you that there was a wink-wink and an understanding that the two of them maybe would be teammates, but it, Kyrie felt that it was more not uh, LeBron coming than, Kyrie, than LeBron actually coming. And so when he came to Cleveland, they worked it out, and they realized how well they could play together. And so they made it happen. They won one championship, appeared at three, and, and they went on their way. But uh, one thing I can tell you as it relates to LeBron, a lot of young guys don't want to play with him because they don't. They know that that's going to be LeBron's team, and they don't want to just make it LeBron as the center of attention. But um, And some guys don't want to play with him because of that. that was the issue with Paul George. Yeah, and I could see him being just very a domineering dude and wanting it his way, wanting it, and very Kobe, very Michael-like where it's his practice, it's his team, and it's going to run the way he wants, even more than the coach because they're the alphas and they're going to make sure that things are done their way because they know how to win. They know how to win chips and they know what it takes. I think LeBron developed into that. I don't think he was always that. Yeah, I think he was a little bit of a people pleaser in the beginning and then when he realized he's got to just kind of take control, it's kind of come out and people weren't used to that initially mm-hmm. i agree with you all sir. we on the same page hey there it is so a little bit off the beaten path here but i'm curious what's your take has chris bosh i we know he wants to come back but has his health issues and the potential just dangerousness of him ever playing at the elite nba level again has that effectively blackballed him from the nba just for his own health and safety yeah, I think so. I think people don't want to take a chance, and I think people think it's a foregone conclusion that uh, it's the Lakers uh, and, and him. I think it's a nice gesture, but it's right. It's a sad situation for Chris Bosh, a guy that you know won multiple championships with the Miami Heat. Actually, you know, came to Miami and, and and won and helped LeBron immensely. And you want to see a guy who actually wants to play play, but it really just doesn't look good right now. I don't know if blackballed is the word. Because I look at Eddie Curry's situation well, when he played in the league and he got a chance to make it back after having heart issues. He still was able to play for, for multiple teams after that situation with the Chicago Bulls. But we're talking about blood clots, and it happened more than once uh, for Chris Bosh. So it's not looking good, but anything is possible these days. I've seen stranger things happen, but it doesn't look good currently. Yeah, I feel bad for the man because he was the overshadowed third superstar. But without him, they definitely don't win those chips. Because there were some finals games and even some playoff games where he just took over and would blow up for 27 and 12. 
and without him, they ain't winning. I know everyone gives Ray the credit. They give they give Flash the credit. They give LBJ the credit. But man, Boswell is as big of a part of those championship squads as anybody else. For sure, and what's disheartening about it is um, when you sit and you look at uh, Kevin Love comparatively, and what he's got going on in Cleveland. You know, Kevin Love and and and, and J.R. Smith have a chance to really just ball out. Uh, Cleveland, uh, you would think that after LeBron left and after Wade left and came back, Bosch would be able to take over the Miami Heat team in the same way, and it didn't work out that way. No, and is Kevin Love going to go back to what we saw more in Minnesota where he can really attack the rim, where he can get back on the block, and he's not just going to be left up as a jump shooter on the three-point line? Uh, when you look at when you look at that situation uh, with Kevin Love, I think that depends on Kevin Love. I think when you look at that Minnesota team, Minnesota Kevin was younger, um, he was heavier, but he was effective, and it reminds me so much. We talk about the Nets. It reminds me so much of when Chris Humphreys was with the Nets in the last years in New Jersey, and now he was able to he was a double double machine, and Monster. my fantasy basketball team was loving it. And Kim K and, ruined that man. <laughs> yes, sir. So when you, look, when you look at that situation, you know, Kevin Love um, was, was putting on monster stats. But then when he came to Cleveland, what happens? You know, he plays with LeBron and he doesn't really know his role. Can he be that monster in a post like that? That's a, that's a, that's a phenomenal question that only Kevin Love can answer. Uh, but I think playing with J.R. Smith, who has something to prove, I think that's going to be a great move for him. Um, but I think all parties involved have a lot to prove this season, and I think a lot of people just assume two things. They assume Cleveland is not going to make the NBA playoffs this year, and they assume that the Warriors are going to just be crowned the NBA champions. And there's still 82 games to be played this season, and I just don't think um, you can count your chickens before they hatch in that regard. Without a doubt, and I'm happy you brought up the Golden State Warriors because when you look at the NBA landscape now, I feel like there's a lot more balance than we've seen in previous years with LeBron leaving the East, going to the West into the Lakers, automatically making them a playoff team regardless, adding them to Houston, adding them to Golden State. And even you can't discount Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum in Portland. Adding those teams. You have, so you have four legitimate teams definitely out there. And then in the East, you have Boston, you have Toronto, you have more balance, you have Giannis, who's just going to get better at Tenacompo. It's more balance than I've ever seen where you can actually take at least six teams that you could see and go, okay, they can compete for a championship. Is there more balance that you've seen after this offseason? In the Eastern Conference, I like the Washington Wizards. Really? I do. I think um, when you look at Dwight Howard, who can still give you 20 and 10, uh, added to a John Wall, who has something to prove this year. Washington has has always had, in the last couple of years, players. They just haven't been able to put it all together. On paper, going into last season, you'd think that the Philadelphia 76ers were going to be an AC, and they dominated the, 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 the Eastern Conference. And then you look at the Washington Wizards, and you would think that the Wizards would be maybe a top two, top three team in the Eastern Conference. Well, yeah, you look at the names, which besides Wall and Dwight now, Bradley Beal still, Kelly Oubre, Otto Porter. Otto Porter. They got, mm-hmm. they got guys. They got legitimate players that, and honestly, I think a lot was on Oubre and Porter last year because they did not step up the way people thought they would. No, I think these, I think they kind of had a, a hangover from the playoffs the year before against the Boston Celtics where they really were the better team. They just didn't step it up the right way. And yeah. it was also just like they had time time before the injury and et cetera. But um, I think the Washington Wizards really, really had to go back to the lab and really make some things happen. And with LeBron leaving the Eastern Conference, it's wide open for some extra teams. I mean, the way the Eastern Conference is looking, legitimately the Cavaliers or the Knicks could both go to the playoffs. One if, one if not both. Now, it's curious and it's funny because you would think with all the shuffling going on, why wouldn't more superstars want to come to the East now? Just run away from LeBron. I would not want to be in the same conference as LeBron at all. Because I think that the NBA is a West Coast game right now. Everybody's following the leader. LeBron is still a leader. Uh, but I think you're right. I think that the Western Conference has gotten more competitive, and they were already competitive. And the Eastern Conference is pretty much just a young, dominated team. Jamal Crawford, uh, who I had on the Scoopy Radio podcast over the summer, said it best. He said the Eastern Conference, or rather the Philadelphia 76ers, 
all on the rise and everybody sees it coming. And I think the Sixers are interesting to watch and could, could really and truly, if they stay healthy, be ruling and making things happen for years. And to be honest with you, so can the Boston Celtics with or without Kyrie Irving. Very true, because they have a lot of young talent. And if Gordon Hayward comes back and is the Gordon Hayward from Utah, Boston is going to be really good, like you said, with or without Kyrie. Now, you brought up Jamal Crawford. Why isn't the man signed? And where do you see him going when he does get signed? Because it's kind of ridiculous. Philadelphia, all all points leading to that. Uh, He and I talked on the podcast uh, earlier this summer. And uh, Philadelphia uh, has an issue with one point guard on the team that still has a one year uh, and about $8 million left in the contract. And if they can't sign Crawford uh, without um, getting rid of uh, this particular player. And um, that's the biggest holdup. And, and, and I spoke with someone today, and they told me that their hope is that with Elton Brand as their new GM, uh, that he'll make the, the, the prudent move and, and bring Jamal Crawford in. I mean, Ben Simmons told me uh, he needs to come here ASAP or come to Philadelphia ASAP. Uh, and, and, and Jamal Crawford uh, thinks highly of him. Jamal Crawford has experience, you know, playing with J.J. Redick out with the Clippers. So, you know, there's familiarity there. Uh, but there's just one contract on the Sixers team uh, that they still, 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 still got to get rid of. And he's a point guard. I'll let you guess. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Um, <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to bring back to Jimmy Butler because it's interesting because he didn't name his three teams he wanted to go to. But... All three of those teams, I believe, are going to have max space as of next year. If they are at least one or two max space next year, if they make the right moves. Does it make sense for any of those teams to make a trade with no guarantee of an extension at all? They're all going to have to play the Paul George game. hoping to convince that they'll come. It's like Toronto's going to have to do with Kawhi Leonard. Because everybody thought last summer that Paul George and or Kawhi Leonard was a foregone conclusion and it didn't happen. I can tell you. Uh, that the 25th hour is related to Paul George in LA. He checking out. Um, LeBron wanted to go and had every intention of going. And once that happened, he was kind of stuck. Uh, so as it relates to your question about uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, it's all going to come down to just um, convincing. I think when you look at the Clippers this season, I think the Clippers are definitely um, gearing up for something big. Uh, you know, you, even on the personnel side, you, you brought in. Lee Jenkins and a, a creative role. Good kudos to Lars Frank. But, uh, you know, you look at the Clippers and they're really preparing for something, whatever that something is. And uh, as it relates to Jimmy Butler, yeah, that's a lot to consider. You know, Jimmy Butler, all things point to uh, Clippers as per Adrian Wojnarowski. But uh, another another option would be honestly the Brooklyn Nets. I think the Brooklyn Nets could use them. I've gone on record and said that a couple of days ago. Uh, Jimmy Butler could help that young team because I think they missed that. Oh, that scorer, that stud. I think they brought in D'Angelo Russell a point guard position, which is great. You know, you shed cap space. I think you shed that seventeen million after bringing yourself of Dwight Howard, uh, buying him out. But you know, I, I really do think um, that Jimmy Butler in Brooklyn is an interesting option. It's a, it's a good option. Yeah, but it all depends on who else he can bring. Obviously, having a good relationship with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving grew up a Nets fan in New Jersey. Uh, that would be a nostalgic feeling. Uh, but I, I think bringing someone like Jimmy Butler may attract other people as well. Without a doubt. And I see on Twitter, after it was announced that where Jimmy was considering going, all I saw from both Knicks and Nets fans were, don't trade for him, don't want him, don't need him. Do they just not realize how good Jimmy Butler still is, even because he's not with Chicago and not in a big market on primetime and everything? Did people forget how talented of a two-way dude he is? I think Nets and Knicks fans are just tired of being sold a bill of goods. And I think for Knicks fans, I empathize. They've really just been down in the doldrums since 2000 when Patrick Ewing was cut out. Uh, and they were sold a, a, a mixed bag. Uh, when they got rid of the whole team they t- t- to acquire Carmelo Anthony. And I, I think the world of Carmelo, and know him, know his family, covered him. And, but I think in that situation, the Knicks gave up a lot for him. And I think just the Knicks want to go to the playoffs and, and want to do things right. And I think you know what you're seeing with Scott Perry and – David Fisdale and others uh, in that system. Steve Mills, uh, really yeah. The, the Knicks, I'll tell you like this. The Knicks, in my opinion, are in a position that the Lakers were in last summer preparing for LeBron James. Now, let's do a little comparison because I think both New York teams are doing it right right now. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you look at 
Kawhi. Kawhi still is going to more than likely leave Toronto. They're going to try and convince him, but he's probably going to leave. A lot of people point to the Kawhi and Sean Marks connection as a good chance. And the fact that Kawhi's uncle is living in East Orange and that is his manager. What are the possibilities that the Nets look at Jimmy Butler and say, yeah, that's nice, but they like Kawhi better? Do you think that there's a chance they try and convince Kawhi? And what are the probabilities of Kawhi coming over to Brooklyn? Shout out to East Orange. I lived there for a few years uh, hey. in my childhood. Um, I mean, that, that that locality is definitely a huge thing. Uh, I think that when you look at that locality, that's great. Sean Marks thinks it's great. It's funny, I was talking to Peter Bessie early on the phone today, and I said to him, I said, Pete, you know, people always think that just because you hire a San Antonio guy, that just makes you smart. Just like if you know somebody from Duke, that means you're automatically smart. <laughs> I think people always look at Sean Marks as he's the NLBL, and that's fine. I like Sean Marks. He's not a bad guy. But <clears throat> I think when you look at the situation with Kawhi Leonard, I think adding a Jimmy Butler to that team in, in, in the potential trade, uh, and then in addition to that, bringing Kawhi Leonard, it, all, it definitely makes him a contender in the East. Uh, and I think the locality is there. I also think on the flip side, just because Kawhi Leonard bought a house in Canada doesn't mean he's going to stay. Without a doubt. Now, Curious, if the Nets make the move for Jimmy Butler, uh, they go and really go after Kawhi, go and really go after Kyrie, get another one of those guys, will they consider trying to trade D'Angelo Russell to try and get a third established bona fide superstar and create their own big three? Or do you think they're going to try and ride it out with D'Lo and the other two? I think D'Angelo Russell has done all the things right. I think and he's definitely adapted to New York City. Uh, and I think D'Angelo Russell, I think this season, has to really show improve uh, because he's been hurt off and on during the season. But if I'm Brooklyn, I, I stick with D'Lo for a little while. I uh, was with him during the summer uh, at the 2K party, and he thought about how excited he was for this season, a healthy, clean slate. Uh, and I think that that young Nets team really has been successful in building when you had Karis LeVert there, you had Rondé Hollis. And I know well, I talked to Rondé, interviewed him uh, at the end of the season, and he was really excited about how his season began at the, at the beginning, and he's been growing every year. I know he's been in trade talks, um, and, and, and I hope that there's a way that that core of Karras, uh, Jared Allen, and, 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 and also uh, Rondé could stay, but you know, this is a business in the NBA. If you find something better, you'll do it. I remember the Nets, when they traded Sam Cassell to get uh, Stephon Marbury. You got a younger guy, Stephon Marbury, but Sam Cassell gave you leadership, and you know, all that good stuff. Stephon was an individual player to look at and was young, but if you have the chance to trade to get something better, you might have to go with that too. It's a bargain, but the Nets really do have trade assets. After that situation with the Boston Celtics, you know, trading and mortgaging a team away, they really should be prudent in how they go about whatever move they make, but I really think that youth and cap space is on their side. Fun fact about Sam Cassell. The first ever NBA game I had, I think it was NBA Live 96 or 7. He was on the cover in the Houston Rockets uniform, but he was on the Nets at the time. And he was the first guy that ever really got me into the Nets because I would play as point guard as him and just jack up threes because I had no idea what I was doing as a however year old kid I was. And he, good thing his three-point numbers were good in that game because I was making them. (laughs) I believe that. I ain't mad at you, brother. <laughs> and then I got to watch you on TV, and now look at all these years later we're doing podcasts. How the world turns, man. As the world turns. Now, keeping up with the Nets, Sean March was busy. He obviously brought in Dwight to get rid of Dwight, free up some room, get some more picks, get rid of a bloated contract. But he also brought in guys to keep. He brought in Ed Davis, who... Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum all expressed their sadness for him leaving, so that points to the right direction. He brought in veterans Jared Dudley and Kenneth Fareed, who are going to shore up inside along with Ed Davis. Um, Travion Graham, who the people at Nothing But Nets, I know Phil Watson from Nothing But Nets wrote a lot of good articles about him and what he can be. And then also Shabazz Napier, who's a good backup guard and a good veteran for this team. And then they drafted... Zanan Musa and Rodoins Kruik. I can't pronounce their names. I hope you're better at that. I cannot pronounce their names, but he got some two foreign guys who look like they're going to play for the team this year. With the additions to these, to the team that they have right now, where do you see the Nets fitting in in the East? 
mean, I, I do think that the Nets are, at least right now on paper, the better team in New York. Just because the Knicks and the Nets are still figuring it out. But I look at the Nets right now, uh, I really do like the addition of Ed Davis. Uh, I remember playing with Ed Davis on NBA uh, Live back in uh, <laughs> think 2003. Uh, he's been around for a long time. Um, but I think uh, one of the things that I like about the Nets this season, I think bringing Ed Davis to that team really helps in the development of Jared Allen, uh, who I think you know they brought in and really replaced with Lopez. The Nets are going to be inter- entertaining to watch. Uh, in an Eastern Conference, but I still think they're not on the level of, of Austin or Philadelphia. They'll be competitive. Um, I think that the Nets uh, still, the jury is still out on their head coach. Um, I think that their head coach is respected by the players, but I still think that um, they're just missing a couple of stars. And I hope that they can ride the wave and allow those guys to get better and allow um, just the the growing process to to be a thing because I think oftentimes in this in this market we just place guys so fast. Yeah, it's very true. And what you were saying about Kenny Atkinson, I think he understands that as well because uh, he was on the radio the other day quoted as saying, "You know, it comes a time where moral victories are gone, and now you got to start producing wins and losses." And I think he's looking at this year as they got to be a five hundred team this year. I think anything under 500 is going to be considered a failure for the Brooklyn Nets this year. What about you? I agree with you, man. I think, but I also do think, um, I think that Kenny Atkinson um, has a longer leash because he was left with such a, a, a rebuilding team after, you know, Darren was gone and Joe Johnson was gone. And uh, I think that this year is when you're going to begin to really judge what he can do as a head coach, you know, and I think if they're able to bring Jimmy Butler or somebody like him in at some point during the season, it's going to be interesting at the Barclays Center, man. And I think uh, I don't want to see anybody lose their job, but it'll be interesting to see what happens this season. Now, two things. One, who would you give up from this Brooklyn Nets team for Jimmy Butler? Fortunately, Rondé might have to go. And what about a Dinwiddie, a Levert, Joe Harris? These are all names that are Joe definitely Harris in the conversation. Joe Harris is definitely somebody that's going to be put in a trade package because he can shoot the lights out for one. Dinwiddie, I think when you looked at what the Nets were able to do and get rid of Jeremy Lin, you begin to beg the question, are you building the team around Dinwiddie or are you building the team around um, D'Angelo Russell? Um, and so when you asked me my question before about D'Angelo Russell, you may think I'm crazy, but I actually, if you bring in a Jimmy Butler, I actually would like to build the team at my point guard around Spencer Dinwiddie rather than D'Angelo Russell. Without a doubt, because Spencer Dinwiddie is more of the pure point guard that can attack when necessary, but he won't have to be on attack mode as much as he was in the past if he has a guy like Jimmy Butler to feed the ball. Wholeheartedly agree with you. You won't get an argument out of me, sir. Yeah, because you know when him and Alan Crabber on the floor, him and Damari Carroll on the floor, he was finding those two left and right from three, putting them wide open shots because of his ability to drive the ball. I am a big, big Spencer Dinwiddie fan. Again, won't get any arguments out of me, sir. All right. Well, now assuming that Rondé is not traded. With all the bigs that they brought in and all the legitimate NBA bigs that can play the forward position, does this push Rondé back up to his natural small forward position? Yes, and I'll be so glad uh, when that happens because Rondé played big, he's tall, uh, but it was almost like watching, uh, it was what they were trying to do with Paul Pierce when he was in Brooklyn. Uh, Rondé is not at that point in his career yet. Rondé is a slasher, Rondé can score, he can create his own shot, and uh I'd like to see him more uh, just create and be his be his natural Rondé self. Without a doubt, I like Rondé's game, but it begs the question because one of Rondé's biggest knocks is his jump shot. His jump shot is, by NBA levels, not very good. Um, with the current NBA, does having a three guard that can't stand at the arc and knock down the three consistently going to be a detriment to this squad, especially in the Kenny Atkinson system, which is a bombs-away, three-point shooting system? Yes, because it's Kenyon Martin in New Jersey all over again. Kenyon was essentially their three. 
and they moved Van Horn to the four. And that was one of the things that players who defended Kenyon in his day told me was 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 they make him force the jumper, and they knew that you know he couldn't get to the basket like that. He was a high flyer dunker, and that's why somebody like Jason Kidd or somebody like Andre uh, Miller was able to get him the ball in that way. And when you look at Rondé, I don't think Rondé is as explosive as Kenyon, but Rondé is more of a pure, more forward. Uh, Kenyon was power forward. Uh, like a straw mile swift uh, who could just get dunks. We tried to develop a jumper, but what made him special was his defensive prowess. Um, and then when I look at the situation with Rondé, uh, that jumper is something that I believe he worked on over the summer, told me that that was what he was going to be working on over the summer specifically. And um, we'll see what happens when he comes into training camp, man. Without a doubt. Now, Rondé could definitely put the ball on the floor a lot better than uh Kenyon Martin he finishes at the rim a lot better besides just the dunking prowess his finishing at the rim is better than Kenyon so I think the comparisons of the moves are the same but they're obviously two different players Rondé is definitely more of a natural guard small forward-esque player but yeah I I hope the man develops because he's still decent within 18 feet he can make that jumper it's just when he extends out beyond that his form just completely changes and it's a little broken so hopefully he did get that fixed because Man, if he can get even up to 30% from three, that is just value right there. Again, you won't get an argument out of me, sir. <laughs> I'm happy to be on the same page as you. Now, I'm going to throw some curveballs at you because even though you are a basketball man, you do know about other sports. How you feeling about the football season these first two weeks? Um, I enjoyed it. I actually checked out week one. I'm glad that the Cleveland Browns got a win. Uh, I'm not. want to pull for the underdog. Yeah, I know you're not because you're a Jets fan, right? Yeah, because that was awful to watch. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I checked in with some of my buddies in, in, in Cleveland, and they were checking out the scene. And they really legitimately um, were having fun out there. And um, I think more than anything else, um, it's encouraging. You know, you, you traded away uh, your wide receiver to start out that week uh, winning a game. That's definitely a monkey off the back. And um, the Giants, uh, week one, eh, it, 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 the offensive line uh, was an Eli's friend. Um, and I think when you when you look at just uh, the trajectory of uh, the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, everything going on with Antonio Brown and the Le'Veon Bell situation, uh, Mike Francesa, I was with him uh, a couple weeks ago, he said that Le'Veon Bell is the selfish jerk. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mike doesn't have opinions, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, you, you kind of you, you feel bad for Mike Thomas because um, he's a guy that's never really had to have his back against the wall like this. And they're talking about his job. This is a precarious situation to see him in because he came out swinging as, as the head coach of the, as the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those are things that kind of stand out to me right now. Now, who's your favorite team overall? Do you have one team? Um, I grew up liking the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, my dad was a Cowboys fan, and I also liked the Jets. But, you know, you're around a lot of players and then and, and, and things kind of you, – you try to stay objective, but at the same time you root, you root for certain players, like individual players. Um, like, I like the fact that the Cincinnati Bengals started off well. And I'm, I am uh, cool with uh, a, a couple – Bobby Hart of the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, a former New York Giant. And yeah, yeah. When they were 2-0, oh, I, I texted him. I said, yo, that's 2-0? Oh? He goes, yeah, yo, no cap. And he put no, and then he put a cap emoji in text message. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy to see him and, and that situation as well. Had him on the Scooby Radio podcast this summer and talked about just some of the things that went on with the Giants. And yeah, I, I think you know to answer your question, grew up a Cowboys fan and liked the Jets. Um, but at this point in life, I kind of didn't root for certain players or write profile stories on certain players if need be on the football side. Definitely. Now I'm going to uh, ask you a question because I'm actually very surprised in Cleveland. I did think Baker Mayfield was going to be a good quarterback, so him coming out swinging. Didn't surprise me at all. The Jets had no film on him, and he is a talented player. So the way he blew it up and brought energy didn't surprise me. And once I saw him come in, I knew the game was almost over with the energy and the he was going to bring. But I've been surprised with how badly Tyrod Taylor has played these last three weeks. When he was in Buffalo, the man could sling the ball. Yes, he was always mobile, but he didn't look to run as much in Buffalo. And it seems like every time he dropped back in Cleveland, the moment his first target wasn't open, he ran away. What? I think it's nerves. I think it's the way Cleveland's, the Cleveland faithful are and criticizing him, and I think it was his job to lose. 
Like, I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor because he is a talented quarterback. Now he's facing the concussion protocol. He's obviously lost his job, even though Hugh Jackson said he doesn't know who's going in. If you if you turn back from Baker Mayfield now, you're fired. Like, bottom line, you're going to get fired because you can't. You can't turn back from Baker now. So it's, it's a really tough situation. I do feel bad for Tyrod Taylor because I was rooting for him. Now that he was out of my division, I was happy for him. I always respected him as a player. But... It's just tough there. Yeah, the Giants have no offensive line. I feel really, really, really bad for that team. And I got to shout out my boy Jason Myers, Jets kicker from Marist College. He's a Marist College grad just like I am. What's up? I said, there you go. Okay, Marist. Exactly. And we were were at school around the same time. We were in the athletic center. We really didn't know each other. We passed each other by. He was a little bit younger than I was um, because in my heyday, I was actually an athlete, even though I am not anymore. But uh, <laughs> but it was just, you know, it's cool to see another Maris Red Fox. Terrence Fide is out there. He was playing for the Miami Dolphins on the Buffalo Bills, but he's also a big Maris dude, a defensive uh, lineman. Hopefully someone signs him in. He's talented as all hell. But, yeah, overall, overall the, week was, the week was interesting. I thought these first two weeks and now the start of the third week, they were different. We saw a lot of different things. Two ties. Have you ever seen two ties in two weeks, Scoop? No, I haven't. And the only the only time I really ever remember a tie in football wasn't it when McNabb and the Eagles played. It was a tie like maybe at least ten years ago. Something like that. McNabb was like, I didn't even know we could tie. Like I remember that quote, and people were like, yeah. Wait, how the hell? Do, do I have it? How long have you been playing football? But even NFL football, how, how do you not know? Yeah, I remember it was something like that. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's just a little ridiculous, and yeah, and I have to, I have Steelers fans that are my friends, and they are grilling, grilling Mike Tomlin. And it's going back to the old adage: he was handed a great team by Cower, and now that he has to deal with his own team, that he's not as good. And I don't know how far that goes. I always, I always wondered about the locker room, especially going back to AB when he took that live film inside the locker room. Something you just don't do. And I don't know if that's just Antonio Brown's maturity level or if that had to do with Tomlin and his locker room control. Which one would you – I don't want to throw shade at anybody, but where would you attribute that being? Because that is a blatant disrespect for the coach. Mm, youth and just not knowing place in time, you know. And I think those are things that, that, that you do when you're young. And, you know, but when you when you have – I think he's about 26, 27 years old. Yeah. When I was 26 and 27, I really, really started to really put things together, um, and it's different, you know. When you're when you're a, a, a professional athlete and you're young and you make mistakes and you make tons of money, people hang on your every word and your every action. And unfortunately, uh, that situation just made him look bad. Now, how much does the Steelers' current situation is Le'Veon Bell just sitting back, smiling, going, "You see." Y'all need me. Because week one, they tried to make a statement. They handed James Conner, who's a nice running back, the ball 28 times, and they tied. And then they you know, they couldn't get it done the, the following week. And Antonio Brown's a great receiver. Big Ben is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. But, man, with that Le'Veon Bell, that offense just is not complete. What is it going to take for that man to get paid? Jesus. <laughs> now he grew up a Jets fan too, so can I cross my fingers and hope that that man comes? Uh, I mean, you, you can cross your fingers, man. But no, I, I, honestly, I look at that situation uh, with the, with the Steelers. It reminds me comparatively to the NBA, uh, where um, you look at Jamal Crawford, and you know I was wondering why he left that Minnesota situation. He said minutes, and then you see all that stuff explode. Uh, with Jimmy Butler and that stuff with Carl Anthony Towns, just at the back room and disobeying, and it's almost like Jamal Crawford could sit back and say, "See, I told you so." So I think that situation with uh, that contract is kind of. Mm, I would have never have thought that, that it would be less drama. Or let me take that back. Some may argue <laughs> that they would have never have guessed that it would be less drama with Le'Veon Bell getting paid than Odell Beckham getting paid. Yeah, seriously, but I do have to say Odell handled himself like a consummate professional all offseason, and through adversity through two games, he is still the unequivocal leader of that offense, even above Eli with the way he's handled things. 
he has just come out and the, the reporters are trying to bait him, trying to get him to say, you know, something stupid, something against the team. And he's just like, nah, we got to play better. This isn't rock bottom. We know we're better in this and we are going to play better as a unit. Done. That's it. And he ain't giving him anyone nothing. And I really, I was critical of Odell when he came out through some of his temper tantrums against Josh Norman on the field. I thought that was dangerous and I thought he was immature at times. But man, has he grown up, and he is earning every single cent. Even if he doesn't catch the ball, just his leadership right now is earning every cent of that contract. You know, I, 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 if I can interject for a second, I think um, I was with Odell and his mom early in the summer. This was before uh, the Giants uh, signed him, and you know, I had a conversation with Odell's mom. Uh, that was on record, and you know, basically, she said, "You know, my son has always um, been free and raised to express himself." Uh, as a as a human being and as a creative person, we've always raised him to be his own man, speak for himself. She said the only issue that she has ever had with him or of him as a player has been when he got on that boat with his teammates before a playoff game. Other than that, you won't hear one complaint. I'm giving you the edited version of what she said, but she said that's the only complaint that I've ever had about Odell. And um, I mean, has he ever gone to jail? Has he ever had, had fathered an a, a illegitimate child? No, not at all. Crazy. What you say? I'm saying, you know, and I'm agreeing with you because I don't understand, and I forget who I had on, but we were talking about this on the podcast, and people have problems with Odell, but Odell has never done anything really wrong. He's been a little immature at times, a little bit me, but that's a wide receiver thing. You, you're, you're always, if you're not about you as a wide receiver, you're not going to get the ball. Because you're only relying on other dudes to throw to you. So you got to be yeah. about you. You got to want yours as well. Like, it just comes with the territory. But the man's never I done think, anything wrong. No, and I think that that situation really goes down to this. People don't like a person or an athlete that's sure of himself and is more intelligent than the fan. I don't think people could ever live in Odell Beckham's shoes uh, and, and put the amount of hours into to what he's put in to train. Um, I don't think anybody could ever uh, deal with the scrutiny that they deal with on a day-to-day basis. I'm going to tell you something. When I, that whole KD situation, when I tweeted and, um, you know, people were coming at me, I, I, I texted a current NFL player and a, and a current uh, professional boxer uh, who was top-ranked. And I said to both of them, dang, this is what you have to deal with every day? <laughs> I said, man, I empathize with you. You guys go through this all the time. They go, yeah, and we still got to go out and perform. And yep. I think with Odell Beckham, a lot of people criticize. They couldn't live with his shoes for a day. Not at all. And it's, and it's sad because I think you see Odell rising to the occasion. And unfortunately, a dude like Victor Cruz, who I liked very much on the Giants, it didn't seem like, uh-huh. not that he couldn't handle it, but I think it really grew on him. And especially because he was the guy. And then Odell Beckham comes. And he's happy he'll be in the number two, but the very talented number two. Then he gets injured. Then he gets put a little bit pushed away. Leaves the team, comes back. And it's just, it seems like all the criticism, and especially the New York media, definitely rode on him a little bit tougher than other people. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I think that comes with the territory of being in this media market, man. You know, you, you, you got to roll with the punches and uh, earn your money. And I think, you know, even Odell getting the amount of money that he got, certain people respond to being um, rewarded with the money. Certain people respond better when they have their back against the wall and they got to earn it. Comparatively, like J.R. Smith. You know, J.R. Smith in the basketball is going to have a good year because he's in contract year. Versus Odell, he comes in the first couple of weeks, quiet, solid game. Everybody's different in that regard. And when you talk about Victor Cruz, I think the other issue with Victor Cruz is Victor Cruz is also from here. So he was playing to the pressure of that to put the pressure of having a rookie take your spot after you got hurt. Um, and also um, just realizing that you have a brand and that people are attuned you. Sometimes you can believe your own press clippings and you get lost in the sauce with that. Without a doubt. And JR, JR is my man. He was from the town over from me in Lakewood. I'm from Manchester. I've, I've met JR. He definitely doesn't remember me because some of my boys were his boys. He's older than me, but somewhere I've seen him on the court just chilling before he went to the prep academy. Nice dude, mm-hmm. great guy. I root for him, but man, just drive to the basket, Jr. You're one of the best finishers in the damn league when you do. Stop shooting jumpers thirty times a game, man. Yes, <laughs> that yes, he he drives me nuts when he isn't attacking the basket. He's the he's a top flight scorer in the league when he attacks the basket. Yeah, oh. and I think he's a, he's a situation where 
a young guy made some mistakes and, uh, you know, found a way to redeem himself. I think that trade from the Knicks uh, to uh, the um, – the, the Knicks to the Cavaliers preserved him. You know, he got married, had a kid, and has been noted as a as a good father. I, you know, I know somebody in the entertainment business uh, that that dated him, uh, and and you know, basically that person told me uh, that it's like night and day, and she's happy to see him legitimately go and um, make something of himself and win a championship and be positive. And sometimes when you're home. You can lose sight of certain things because you're comfortable. But then on the flip side, um, I wrote a piece last week, uh, talked with Chris Smith, uh, J.R. Smith's brother. I actually played a celebrity basketball game with him this summer on uh, Hoops in the Sun. And uh, uh, Chris was talking about to me about how people get the partying thing misconstrued with J.R. People think that when you're in New York, you just party all the time, but you see pictures. It's really a social scene, but people just see pictures and assume that they're just living life and not doing what you're supposed to do. Again, sometimes when you're home, you can't handle that pressure. But then comparatively, they're like Derrick Rose, who's from Chicago, played for the Bulls. The only distraction was his injuries. Yeah, yeah, and Derrick Rose, you know, without the injuries, Derrick Rose is one of the best point guards to ever play the game. And that's not even an understatement. You want any argument out of me there, sir? Oh, that is fantastic. Now, quickly, I want to ask you, Yankees. Are they going to lose the one-game wild card because they are stinking it up the end of the season? What you got there? I think the Yankees are going to win it. And what do you think their chances are on upsetting Boston, getting to the chip, and taking it all? It's going to be tough. I haven't really been paying attention to the Yankees since probably uh, early summer because I've been beginning into baseball so much, so I don't want to say the wrong thing to play myself. <laughs> However, uh, you brought in a new manager. Uh, you, you have one of the best players in the game in Aaron Judge. You are expected uh, to go to uh, the World Series and win it. And those were the uh, those were the expectations going into the season somewhere along the line. They must have been watching highlights of the Mets and lost track of the fact that they were the Yankees and uh, they're in a predicament series right now. <laughs> definitely. Definitely, definitely. But all right, Scoop. My man, continue enjoying the hate because I cannot see you stop breaking things. And you keep doing you. You keep being great. And hopefully you will continue to grace me on this podcast over and over again because it's always fun having you, my brother. For sure. And we got to get you on the Scooby Radio Podcast. We got to talk some sports sometime very soon. I really need that. Without a doubt, man. Whenever you call, I will come running. You know that. Yes, sir. No doubt. Alright, so yeah, anyway, thank you everybody for listening to the Sports Opinions Podcast. My man Scoop B of the Scoop B Radio was uh, happy enough to grace me here. Where can people find you, Scoop? Hey man, thank you guys for sticking with me. I'm just almost done with my grocery shop and I'm in the vegan uh, section now, so uh, (laughs) I kind of switched up to vegan a little bit. Uh, Yes sir, yes sir. You guys can actually find me. Uh, first and foremost, Scoopy Radio is now available on Spotify. Uh, you can subscribe to Scoopy Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher App, or simply visit ScoopyRadio.com. Last year, we got 2 million downloads on the podcast this year as of July. Uh, we have 1.5 million, uh, so we'll definitely be good 2 million very soon. Um, in addition to that, you can follow me on all breaking NBA news uh, on Twitter at ScoopTheB. That's S-C-O-O-P in the letter B. Instagram, check me out. My lifestyle, Scoop underscore B. Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. And uh, more than anything, uh, I'm a columnist, senior columnist at Basketball Society. Uh, you can check out all my work at Basketball Society online. And I'm blogging a lot more on my own blog. You can check out scoopb.com and visit the blog. And that's just an extension of all the things that I do at Basketball Society. So please, Scoopy Radio Podcast, Basketball Society. Uh, you'll be seeing me on TV a little bit more very soon as well. So stay tuned for that. Wonderful. And yeah, definitely go subscribe on any of those outlets. I'm a subscriber of Scoopy Radio. You will get great content and you will also just get great insight from Scoop and all the amazing people that he has on. You just heard a fraction of the guests that we talked about today. And you also still have your apparel from Wooter, Wooter Apparel, Scoopy Line. Is that still a thing? Yes. Uh, starting back in October, um, Wooter Apparel will be uh, a sponsor of Scoopy Radio. Again, it took a little bit of a break uh, just to tool the apparel and some of the other things, but you can check out all my uh, apparel over Wooter Apparel. Uh, we've got catchphrases, shirts, there's the Scoopy Radio line as well as the Scoopy line of just shirts and uh, hoodies and more. So check that out. Uh, Scoopy Radio and Scoopy Apparel over at Wooter Apparel. Wooter Apparel actually uh, made uh, the jerseys for Floyd Mayweather's uh, celebrity basketball game that was this summer in Atlantic City. So 
Wooters do a big thing. Um, and I played a celebrity basketball game with TJK, Jason Kidd's son as well. Guys, you know you had on the show. I had well TJ. As, um, he was unbelievable on the show. He's a great kid. I'm definitely going to have him on again. Yes, sir. So you know the drill. Wooter Apparel, Scoopy Radio, and uh, a lot of other things coming your way in the fall and the winter. So please stay tuned. For Scoopy Radio. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.